Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jared Bumpers, Assistant Professor of Preaching and Evangelism and FTC Cohorts Faculty Coordinator here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome John Stroop to the podcast. John is the Executive Director of Freeway Ministries in Springfield, Missouri. Freeway Ministries exists to reach the hard to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ, one broken life at a time. John also has a podcast called One Life at a Time, where they explore what Christ has done in the lives of some of the people there in their ministry. John, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Hey, thanks for having me on. And I'm excited to have, have you join us, and I've known you for, for years, and so excited to have you on the podcast and just have you share your story, what God is doing in your life, how he's using you. And so the, the topic for this particular podcast is ministering to those who struggle with addiction. And so your own background and your ministry, you, you have a lot of experience there. And so I'm excited to expose you and your ministry to those who listen to our podcast. So I want to start with your testimony. You have a unique testimony and, and helps provide some context for your ministry and your passion for what you do. And so do you mind uh, sharing your conversion story for those who are listening? Sure. Well, so I come I don't know if we coined this or not, but I come from what's called, we call it generational crime, addiction, and poverty, hmm. which basically means everybody I've ever known was a drug addict, a criminal, or poor, one of all three, most all three. Mm-hmm. Brief story. Uh, I was, you know, the, the devil was a fisher of men, just like Jesus. And um, my family has been plagued with this, you know, Isaiah calls it, what are those who call good evil and evil good, who, who take sweet for bitter and beef, uh, bitter for sweet? darkness for light, light for darkness. Well, that was us. And so just as brief as I can be, I uh, grew up as a, a single parent home, grew up in prison visiting rooms my whole life. My brothers were old enough to be my fathers. Mm. So I would be there to get them out of prison with my mom. And uh, my mom was a, was a, was a gangster. I mean, she, I watched her bag dope up as a little boy taken into prison with her. I mean, it was just, it's just all we knew. And uh, me and her were crime partners. When I was a teenager, I quit school. And me and my mother began to sell drugs together to pay our bills. She died. And uh, a year after she died, my brother OD'd. And a year after that, my brother shot my other brother. Hmm. And uh, I was a homeless man in my early 20s on the street. And for almost 10 years, I went from a drug dealer to a drug addict, drug dealer to a homeless junkie. And uh, went to prison for selling drugs. And in a prison cell... I found a Bible and I opened it up and I wanted to know what Jesus did with bad guys because I was one. And I found a beautiful scripture in Romans chapter three that says there's none good, no, not one. Great news to a bad guy, right? Mm. Terrible news to people who think they're good. Yeah. And so I began to look through the Bible for people like me, if God could use a man like me. And he, I found that I was a poster child for Christianity according to the gospel. And mm. so I surrendered my life to Jesus in a prison cell in 2008. And I, I had nothing to show for my life, nothing to give him. I was just a broken man. But I surrendered my life, and I asked him to use me like the drugs used me and give me a purpose. And uh, he saved me and changed my heart. Man, praise the Lord. I love your testimony. I've heard you share it before. And one of the things I've always appreciated, every time you share your testimony, you do two things. One, you don't, like, you don't glorify your, your, your life prior to Christ. You don't make a huge deal about about your sin. I mean, you recognize it was sinful, but you don't glory in the sin. 
But what you do, the second thing, what you do every time is you make much of Jesus and how he uses people um, and how he can save anybody. And so, man, your, your testimony has always been uh, such an encouragement to me. And so thank you for sharing that with those who are listening. And so after you are converted, you know, you're re- reading your Bible in prison, you read in Romans, man, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 1, the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness and ungodliness. And yet you read, continue reading Romans 3, you know, a righteousness apart from the law has been revealed through faith in Jesus Christ. So you put your faith in Christ, you receive his righteousness. Then what happens in your life? How, how do you end up uh, in the place that you're at now? So how has God worked since conversion in your life to call you to ministry and then to use you in ministry? It's funny, I'm, I'm getting fired up. I'm in my house walking around. <laughs> Every time you ask me a question, I just get to thinking about it, get, get excited and stirred. Uh, it's, a, it's a long story, but I'll try to be as brief as I can. So in prison, I lived off $5 a month, no GED, no education. No one wrote me. I never made a phone call, had no one that wanted anything to do with me. And so it was just me and Jesus and the Bible. And I fell in love with God's word. And uh, it's the only book I ever read. I never read a book my whole life. And God, the Holy Spirit in me loves God's word. So of course, like I, I got thirsty for God and, uh, and so I read my Bible till it fell apart. I had all these questions. Who wrote the book of John? Was it John the Baptist? You know, who's these other people in the Bible, you know, Saul, the Old Testament, New Testament? I had no idea. And so I had a guy come in my cell whose name was David Hupman. And he and I said, man, I just want somebody to answer questions for me. And he said, I got a guy. His name's Dewey Houston. He's a missionary. And I thought, wow, a missionary. I don't know what that is, you know. <laughs> What's that? You know, it sounds awesome. So... I wrote this this guy, and he wrote me back. And the five dollars a month was five postage stamps, a stick of deodorant, a stick of toothpaste, and a bag of coffee. And I went to canteen, and it's it's like prison welfare. They give you that if you're poor and you didn't have an education and stuff. And and I wrote this guy. And he wrote me back. Uh, he wrote me for 18 weeks. I get out of prison, and I call this guy. And I I went to a halfway house in Cuba, Missouri, a place where they they count the chickens and the goats with the population. You know, there's no one there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I called Dewey Houston. I said, Mister Houston, thank you for writing me all that all the all the 18 months, and you never even met me. This guy said, I've been writing her prisoners for 13 years. You're the first one to get out and thank me. Wow. And uh, whoo. Hmm. And so uh, no work. 2009, a recession. Dewey Houston came to Cuba and picked me up and brought me to Springfield. I spent my first night in this retired missionary's house, and then the next day he dropped me off at a Salvation Army homeless shelter, and that's where I started my journey, and uh, just had a passion in my heart to reach my people group, and so what I mean by that is people that come from generational crime, addiction, and poverty, and uh, I thought, where where would my brothers be? Where would my mother be if someone would share the gospel with us, a national, someone like us from our people group, you know? Yeah. And so... Uh, Got involved in ministry, got a job, got involved in ministry, started going to church with Dewey Houston. I was Baptist and didn't know it. You know, I was, <laughs> I, I, Jesus got a hold of me before the Baptist did. Yeah. But uh, I went to a Pentecostal church with this old missionary, you know, and I realized I disagree with some things, you know, and uh, ended up preaching at this recovery meeting and, and kind of getting a way to live. I developed a way to live in this, in this disciple, in this uh, homeless shelter. I put five job applications in the day and read my Bible every morning. And, and, you know, I had these disciplines to go to church when the doors were open and, and I was mentored by someone. And so through the process of time, I ended up leaving that church 
that Pentecostal church, met with the pastor and told him, you know, these are things I don't agree with. By that time, I'm a single father. Got, I found out I had a son. I ended up getting custody of him in 2010, became a single dad of a three-year-old boy, and uh, in ministry preaching, you know, had no idea what I was doing, Jared. I mean, I, I you know, I'd learn a truth and preach it. I'd learn a truth and preach it, and uh, met a guy named uh, Mike A. at a Bible study and a guy named Rick Lechner. And, and Mike A. was a church hopper. He didn't have a church, and so he was going with me to this Pentecostal church. And so I, I left the church. He left the church. Brother Rick, me and Brother Rick had met, and, and he said, my church is looking to do a recovery ministry, you know, and and they want to do it now. And so I met with Brother Eddie Bumpers, your dad, and uh, I cast the vision to him. I said, we want to reach this people group, and they're going to smell bad, and they're going to they're going to come to your church and stir your people up. And he said, my church needs to be stirred up. <laughs> and so the idea was to be, you know, the heartbeat of Jesus is missions, evangelism, and discipleship. And um, the, the, the evangelism is the outreach. We started the outreach in 2011 at a little house behind Broadway Baptist Church. The missional part of it is going into the city and reaching these people. And, and the discipleship is on the next su- that Sunday, we plug them into the local church. We're a ministry of the local church. And he said, if you ever outgrow that building, we'll get you a different one. And we outgrew the building the very first night. <laughs> and so, you know, since 2011, we have um, whew, 11 partner freeways. We have 16 discipleship houses for men and women to live in, to come out of prison institutions. And, you know, and, 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 and we're, in, we're in five states. We're in two countries. We're able to raise up missionaries and support them and send them out to start freeways at other churches all over the world. So that's our that's a heartbeat. That's, that's in a nutshell, <laughs> the answer. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that you mentioned this as well, but Freeway Ministries is a, an advocate of and a supporter of the local church. And so you're looking to, to reach guys, share the gospel, and then help them grow in their faith. And obviously there are a lot of things we'll talk in, about in a second that go along with that. But but you, from the very beginning, have, have viewed yourself not, not as a— you know, a rogue in isolation from the local church, but partnering with the pastors and local churches to reach uh, the, these people. Absolutely. We're a bridge to the church. We don't do anything on our own. There's no freestanding freeways without the local church. Yeah. Yeah, well, man, I, I've been able to watch from, from early on. I remember, man, but before even some of that, I think the first time I met you, you were actually working at Who Hot and telling people about Jesus and— Man, from the beginning, just your fire and passion to reach people with the gospel and then to see how God has used you and all the freeways that have started. And you mentioned several of these things, but but just want to ask you to take a minute or two and kind of unpack uh, some of the things freeways doing right now. So your Saturday night services, discipleship houses, you got locations and partner churches all over, all over North America, uh, overseas. And so would love to hear you just kind of talk about some of the things that you guys are doing right now in freeway. So, uh, so we plant the ministry alongside the local church. We do food, transportation, childcare. We do it on Saturday nights, and um, we have a we have a service for them. And uh, at the end of the night, we we give an invitation, and then at, after that, we say, if you don't have a home church, we'd like to invite you too. And then we go pick them up on Sunday and take them to church and plug them in to the local church. And so that's the first thing we do. That's the outreach. So when we plant freeways, we, we do that. And then within six months to a year, we open what's called the discipleship house. So the discipleship house is a, it's not a halfway house because God doesn't do anything halfway. 
it's a it's a one year long discipleship program. And so everybody who gets into the program, they come from jails, institutions, people's houses, whatever. But it's a it's a we're an alternative to prison for seven counties in the state of Missouri. And so it's an alternative to prison here. And and so they're the other ones. Sometimes they do that in other states, too. Sometimes they don't. But it's a it's a one year long learn how to change your life program that that comes that that's a part of the ministry and the folks they learn how to work they learn how to submit to authority they get discipled by men from the local church and women from the local church you know it's 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 what do houston did for me hmm. you know it's walking alongside a believer an older believer and a younger believer and the the people who graduate our discipleship homes here in missouri at least 90 plus percent don't go back to drugs or crime and praise the and lord and so for me that's success yeah yeah, man, praise the Lord. That that's incredible to to hear that. Ninety percent plus ninety percent, uh, man. Nine out of ten people, Lord is working and using you and and use, using your ministry. I listen to your testimony, how God has radically changed your life, and then you know your ministry, how God is using your ministry. And often on this podcast, we'll talk about preaching and, and ministry related aspects. And I think it's important for us just to be honest and say, okay, God has worked in your life in a major way. God is using freeway in a major way. But at the same time, th- there are challenges. And so I'd love for you to just take a couple minutes and talk about some of the challenges that you have faced in the past or you're facing right now when you're dealing with those who are, who are coming out of what you've talked about, genera- generational crime, poverty, addiction. What are some of the challenges you face ministering to those people? Well, I'll be real with you. You know, we have between four and 500 that come on Saturday nights at Freeway here in the world headquarters on Saturday night. And every Saturday night, there's an ambulance and a police car there every single time. Now, you, you don't you don't see it from the crowd. I don't know it from inside because our security helps them, but they're pretty needy people. I mean, they got stuff going on, you know. Yeah. I've never been – I've never really felt endangered, endangered or anything. I've never been hurt or harmed. But uh, our people group, there is a toxic loyalty in the worldview that comes with it. So, if, if for one, if, if you were taught by the person that loved you, that was there for you, that gave you Christmas, you know, that person in your life told you to live a certain way, told you the police are dirty, you can't trust them, told you it's okay to, you know, be sexually immoral, it's okay to talk this way, live this way, act this way. Well, then you come into our program, and we teach you that that is wrong. Who are you going to believe? And, and so you have to break, it's more than just addiction. You know, being sober is not our goal. So we're not trying to get people sober. Sobriety is part of it, but we want to change people's lives. Mm-hmm. And um, and so walking through that stuff, you know, walking through relationships, walking through marriage, parenting, courtship, walking through doership, walking through overcoming the past and worldviews, that's the messy part. And then bridging them to the local church. You know, it's all good. Everybody wants to do freeway till Bubba gets saved, and Bubba's the one that robbed my house and stole my lawnmower. <laughs> now Bubba's going to church, my church. Yeah. And Bubba's son wants to date my daughter. Hmm. You know, now we got some serious issues. And so getting past the stigma and overcoming prejudice and stuff like that, that stuff gets real messy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good word. Well, you've mentioned, you know, you talk about Saturday night ministry there at the Freeway World Headquarters. Man, let's let's talk just for a second. I've got one more question I want to ask 
But before I do that, let me ask this question about preaching. So you preach every week. You know, you're preaching to, to people who come from, you know, generally pre- pretty rough backgrounds. And so would love to hear you talk about preaching. How do you think about preparation as it relates to preaching? How do you think about application as it relates to preaching to those in generational crime, pro- poverty, addiction? You know, just talk about preaching and your, your approach to preaching there at Freeway. Well, if I tell them, if I talk about a tweaker with a flashlight on his head at two o'clock in the morning, as an illustration, you know, <laughs> that's that's not something generally you'll say at a at a, at a regular church meeting. Yeah. Uh, but we we really believe in exegetical preaching. Uh, we we we're going through First Corinthians right now, and we believe verse by verse, precept upon precept, book book after book, chapter after chapter. It, the Word of God is powerful. And, you know, we believe that if we preach through the Word of God and we let God pick our sermons for us, then we just be faithful to the Word, life change happens. Amen. And, and one of the exciting things is, let me just tell you this part. I believe in my heart, and this is going to make somebody mad at me, but that's okay. Addicts make some of the best Christians, if not the best Christians. And, and the reason why is because they know how to be sold out. They, 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 have, they, they have been looking for a second chance at life for a very long time, and now they got it. And so I believe that the gospel is so powerful that, that somebody who, who has been a career car thief will make the, be- the best van driver for your ministry that you've ever had. I believe that the ex-street thug will be your best security worker. I believe that the, the ex-drug dealer that could sell an Eskimo and icicle <laughs> is the guy who can win people to the Lord. Hmm. And, and, and I believe that was on my heart, and I believe it enough that I'll put my money where my mouth is, and I put them to work. Hmm. And so these guys and gals, they get saved, they join the local church, and they're sitting on the front pew with their journal out, salivating at the Word of God, excited, happy to mop the floor, happy to serve in the children's ministry, because they finally get a chance to be used, and they, they realize that they have a purpose in life. And to me... And then their kids are raised in the church house and not the dope house. And you can't tell them apart from the pastor's kid. When you get that done, you're doing something. So anyway, there you go. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love your emphasis on, obviously, biblical preaching, exegetical preaching, preaching uh, through books of the Bible, doing that even there at Freeway. And man, Scripture is powerful. You know, think of Second Timothy 3 and, and 4, where all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. But he says right before that to Timothy, you've known the Scriptures which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith that's in Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, you know, it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so and then he goes on to say, because Scripture is inspired by God, because it's able to make you wise as salvation and prepared for every good work, preach the Word. And so yeah. we preach through books of the Bible. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ because the gospel changes lives. Scripture changes lives. People come to faith in Christ. They grow in their faith in Christ, and God will use them regardless of their background. Man, your testimony, you see people in Scripture that God uses, and other than Jesus, nobody's got a, a perfectly clean record. And so, man, yeah, I'm, I'm always encouraged and, and challenged by listening to you talk about ministry and the gospel and preaching. And so, man, I so appreciate you coming on. Before, before we wrap up here, man, the last question I'd love to hear you talk about is if we have a, somebody who's listening and they're interested in starting some type of recovery ministry in their local church, man, what, what would you tell that person, whether it's them reaching out to talk to you about Freeway or them thinking about recovery ministry on their own? What are some encouragements or some exhortations 
that you would give those listening who are thinking about reaching those hard-to-reach people? Well, there's not a city in the county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And we have the answer, and it's the gospel, the power of God. And and so uh, if God has burdened you to do a recovery ministry, then the only thing you really need is faith to believe him. And so I, I they could contact us, you know, make sure your pastor's on board. Don't try to be a lone ranger. Have a team. You know, a lot of times people get saved out of my people group, and they want to go start a work, you know. And I tell them, go submit to a pastor for a year hmm. first. You know, be involved in a local church because in the local church, you have everything you need. You have all your people, you have your mentors, you have your fathers and your mothers, your grandmothers, your grandfathers, like the people who can really minister to these folks, you know, and be that, be that family to them, you know, and, and be ready for heartbreak, be ready for funerals, be ready for people to die, you know, a drug addict, a turn on you quicker than a werewolf. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. So you have to be all in. And your family has to be all in. It has to be a calling. If you're called and you feel like this is your mission, I'll help anyone, you know, with anything I can. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You, you, you mentioned this. You've mentioned it several times. So I, I feel like I just need to, to, to point my finger on this and maybe give you a chance to talk about this. But so freeway ministry, you know, reaching uh, hard to reach people, sharing the gospel, connecting the local church. What are some ways that the local church can minister to those who, who are coming from a criminal background or struggling with addiction or in poverty? You know, what, what would you say to churches as they try to engage those people? Maybe, they, maybe they've recently been converted. They're looking to integrate into the local church and to be discipled. What would you say to church leaders? I would say it's more than just a Sunday morning thing. Hmm. You know, so when, when people come from my people group, you have to realize it's a generational thing. And so— when you use terms like mom and dad, so for instance, two people get saved out of the ministry. They come to the outreach, they get saved, they get converted. They end up courting. I marry them. They have a kid. Well, this girl's dad is a drug addict who introduced her to meth. Her mom's the one she prostituted with. Who's going to be the grandparents? Hmm. You know, I mean, we have to really, we have to really be the family for them. We have to be the moms. We have to be the dads. Some of our people don't even know what a baby shower is. Hmm. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's doing life. It's the book of Acts in the second chapter. It says that, you know, they, were, they met daily there, one accord, one mind. Nothing they had was their own. They continued the apostles' doctrine of fellowship and breaking of bread. They went house to house. Mm-hmm. You know, and then what happened? God multiplied the church. And, it, it, and they were really doing life together. When I read that section of Scripture, it's really what made me want to be in the church. Because hmm. I thought, look at these people. They love each other, man. I can't wait to have that in my life. And uh, all I wanted in prison was to have a church, a, a, go to church and really know church folks hmm. because, of, because of the book of Acts. And uh, we try to live that out. And so unless you're willing to walk through life with somebody, you're not ready yet. But if you're willing to walk through life and not just Sunday morning, then forget the drug addict background because we all have a sin issue. And if, whether you're an alcoholic or a self-aholic, you still, you still struggle with sin. Yeah, And so it's a sin issue, and, and you can identify with a drug addict because everybody has sin. And so uh, drug addicts listen, listen to you if, you if they know you love them, so love them. Yeah, that's good, thinking about that holistically and, man, life on life, discipleship, doing life together. 
is absolutely huge. Well, John, thank you so much uh, for joining us again. John is the executive director of Freeway Ministries. I didn't mention this earlier. Uh, I mentioned his podcast, One Life at a Time, so I'd encourage you to, to check that out as well. But he's also written two books, From the Pit to the Pulpit and Stop Loving Your Kids to Death. would encourage uh, you to check out both of those. I'm sure you can find those on Amazon. John, thanks again for joining us. Hey, thank you, brother. God bless you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Again, thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jared Bumpers. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.